Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Tangentially Speaking. I'm in Barcelona, uh, where life is chaotic, noisy, the streets are dirty, there's way too much dog shit. But it is sexy as hell here. And when I say sexy, I don't mean sexual. Uh, I don't really know. It's hard to explain sometimes. You know, there are these concepts um, that uh, defy words, and we, we use the words that come closest to try to explain it, but all too often it misses the mark. And I, I when I say sexy... There's a word in Spanish, uh, morbo or morboso. It's the adjective. Morbo is the noun. And it, it's, a, it's a funny word. It doesn't really exist in English. It's uh, the closest um, associated word in English is morbid and morbidity. But in English, that refers to death. Uh, something's morbid. Morbid humor is, is sick and dirty and dark and, you know, sort of grotesque. Um, but in Spanish, morbo refers to a sexiness that someone can have, an attractiveness that they can have that isn't about them being aesthetically beautiful. So, for example, a lot of women would use as example someone like Jack Nicholson uh, or Mick Jagger, who you look at them and you say, okay, that's not a particularly good-looking guy, at least not at this age. Um, Jack Nicholson was super good looking uh, when he was young, but you know, you see him now and it's like, okay, nobody's thinking, wow, that's a hot dude, but there's something compelling about him that a lot of women find sexy. So they say, el tiene morbo, he's, he's got this quality. Um, on the uh, female side, you might uh, say Angelica Houston, interestingly, who was married to Jack Nicholson for a long time. Um, I don't see it, but a lot of guys would say she's really sexy, even though she's kind of, you know, I, I would not say she's aesthetically pleasing uh, to look at, at least for me. But uh, my point is that there are concepts that defy linguistic explanation and, and translation. And and there's a sexiness about life in Spain. And I again, I'm using that word sexy just because there's not another word for it. It's a pleasure. It's a shameless pleasure that's at the center of life here that is just missing in the U.S. It's just not in the culture. Um, I don't think it's in the culture in, in the U.K. either. I think that's something that we've, you know, a stain that we inherited from the British is this, this um, deep shame around pleasure, the sense that enjoying life is somehow beneath a gentleman or a lady, that, that our purpose is to work and uh, make money and whatever, play by the, the rules, and to just sit back in the sun and, and have a, a drink with friends and have lunch last for three hours. And, and uh, there's, there's just a quality of life here that I really love, and that's why I spent so much of my life here. And so coming back to visit... I'm reminded of it. I've been trying to like deal with some paperwork, some bureaucracy, and it's funny. I, I had to go. I went to one office and asked, okay, I've got to do this stuff. Where should I go? It was an information office, and they sent me somewhere. So I went there the next day, and said, okay, I have to do this stuff. You know, they told me to come here, and the guy's like, oh no, no, you have to go to this other office. And 
but he took half an hour, printed out all these documents to send me to another office. So I went to the other office the next day, and they said, oh, no, but you, you need to go here, and you need to make an appointment. And you, But again, really nice. So to get this shit done, it took me three days, three different offices, three different parts of town, very frustrating. Uh, but they were all really nice people. So I don't know. In the States, I probably would have gone to one office. There would have been a long line. The person... Uh, would have been kind of aggressive and bitchy and, you know, talked to me like I was a child, but I would have got the shit done in that one office. So, you know, it's the old double-edged sword. It's like you want efficiency and uh, get shit done quickly, the States. You go to your fucking Costco, you buy everything you need. Here, I mean, it's Barcelona. There is no Costco, uh, nothing like it, no Walmarts. You want you want chicken? You got to go to one store. You want beef? You got to go to a different store. You want pork? It's a third store. I mean, they do have supermarkets. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but um, you know, there's a fruit store and a vegetable store and a chicken store, and like, and the people know you, and you know they know what you like, and they might save a special thing for you, and so it might take you all fucking day to go grocery shopping, but you'll enjoy it. Um, as opposed to, in my experience in the States, yeah, you get shit done a lot quicker, but there's a lot less pleasure involved in it. So that's what I mean. Life here is inefficient and deliciously so. Speaking of uh, pleasure and delicious pleasure at that, this week's uh, guest on Tangentially Speaking is Kevin Johnson, who's the guy uh, that owns the um, flotation uh, place I went to in Austin. Cassie and I went to. He was kind enough to invite us in for a free float. It was the first float I had done. Uh, I mentioned it on, on uh, the podcast with Joe and Duncan last week. Uh, it's called Zero Gravity Institute. It's an amazing place. Uh, and it was my first float. After I had the float, I sat down with Kevin and... I was so enthusiastic about the whole thing. I just really wanted to get his story. So anyway, that's what you're going to hear this week. Coincidentally, I had dinner with uh, Kevin and his wife and his niece last night. They're here in Barcelona. Cassie and I met with them and went out for some tapas and uh, walked around the uh, Barrio Gotico a little bit, showed them some of our favorite spots. Um, so that that was cool. He He's over here. They're checking out Barcelona, and, and they seem to be enjoying themselves. New sponsors. Um, Andy's been lining up some new sponsors. Uh, it's the first week we're going to be sponsored by HelloFresh, HelloFresh.com. Uh, now, listen, I haven't tried this service, okay, because they don't deliver uh, to the West Coast. This is something they deliver all over the East Coast and as far west as Chicago, I believe. So if you're living on the eastern half of the United States, you might want to give these guys a, a try um, and uh, let me know how it goes. Tweet it at me or send me an email or something. It seems like a really great service. Uh, what they do, HelloFresh.com. They offer fresh recipes and ingredients for people who want delicious, healthy meals they can cook at home without having to do all the meal planning and shopping. Uh-huh. Back to the grocery store issue again. HelloFresh has top chefs create the recipes you want for you and your family and they send you pre-measured, farm-fresh ingredients so you can just start cooking. No extra ingredients, no waste. All the meals are sent weekly, free shipping. 
By using the easy-to-follow recipe cards, you have a home-cooked meal in 30 minutes or less, meals available for omnivores or vegetarians, single or family sizes, currently delivering to half the United States, and they'll be expanding to all 50 states by this fall. If you use our promo code, which is HelloSpeaking, you'll save 20 bucks on your first order. Hello Fresh, everything but the chef. So check them out, and please let me know what you think, because uh, if if we get a good response, then we want to keep promoting these guys, because I love this idea. I'm a big fan of Michael Pollan's books, and um, if you follow him at all, you'll see that his last book is all about how the number one thing you can do to improve your your health in terms of diet is cook at home. That's it. If you cook at home, you're going to be using better ingredients. You're going to have more of an involvement with the food. You're going to have more, again, pleasure. It's a pleasure to cook, folks, right? I mean, anyone who's ever cooked knows it's a pleasure. The problem is American life takes our time. They keep selling us this shit. They keep selling us things by saying, oh, once you've got this, you're going to have so much free time. Right. It's like the jetpacks. They never arrive. It never comes. But, oh, you buy this, buy that. No, oh, now with computers, now with microwave ovens. Imagine all the free time you'll have. Where's the fucking free time? It never arrives. Anyway, this is a way to, uh, you know, cut down on the amount of time. You're not, you know, chopping vegetables and going to the store and forgetting this and forgetting that. It all comes right to the door. You just put it together, cook it up. And I looked at their um, their Web page, the stuff is good. Their suppliers, it's free-range chicken, it's no antibiotics, no bullshit. So um, check them out if this seems like something that might uh, make your life a little more interesting and a little more convenient. Check them out and please let me know what you think. HelloFresh.com. The code is HelloSpeaking to save 20 bucks on your first order. This episode's also brought to you by MyPackage.com. You heard me talk about this last week, this amazing underwear. Uh, MyPackage, M-Y-P-A-K-A-G-E.com. They bring you the best and most comfortable underwear experience for men. Try their patented comfort technology combined with their special moisture-absorbent and breathable wrinkle-free material. It's true. It doesn't bunch up and uh, excellent support for your, uh, for your junk. My package was generous enough to send me a box to try out, and it's true. This stuff is really high-quality material. Everything I hate about underwear, these guys have figured out for a relaxed, secure fit. If you like Shore Design t-shirts, this is basically, it feels like the same sort of material. It's uh, super soft, thin, but uh, but strong. Anyway, order uh, order some, and they'll generously throw in an extra pair for free, for the first 10 users who use our code SEX, S-E-X, at checkout to receive a free pair of this amazing underwear. They've got styles for weekday wear, weekend wear, sporty stuff, whatever you like. Uh, they've got tie-dye for you deadheads out there. I've got a few pairs of those. Um, check out their lightweight full-length pants for an extra layer that keeps you super comfortable from the waist down if you're into winter sports. Um so if you're tired of adjusting and shifting or you're tired of someone you love who can't leave their junk alone and you just want to buy your dad or, your, hey, Father's Day is coming up, uh, you want to buy dad or your husband something they'll generally get psyched about for Father's Day, check out mypackage.com and enter sex at checkout for a chance to get an extra pair for yourself or someone you love. 
or guys, if you're sick of getting crap you don't want for Father's Day, tell the people who love you to spring for a nice couple of pairs of underwear and send them to mypackage.com. And remember, enter sex at checkout. Last but never least, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. You've heard me talk about them before. If you've been to chrisryanphd.com, you've seen an example of uh, what uh, a dimwit like me can do with a Squarespace template. Easy to use, great customer service. They've got the whole package, everything you need, including, by the way, they've uh, they added the the uh, the store, the the whole commerce thing, to all accounts now. So even if you get the entry level, lowest level level account for I think it's eight bucks a month, uh, you get the the ability to sell stuff online. So go to squarespace.com, check them out. If you decide to sign up, use the code SEX at checkout, and you get, uh, I think it's 10% off, uh, and it lets them know that you uh, you came from us. So that's squarespace.com, check them out. It's a very cool and easy way to set up uh, a website. Very simple, right out of the box. All right, that's it. I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, get yourself to a float center. Find, you know, Google Float in your town. Uh, maybe this, after you listen to this uh, episode, you'll you'll be interested in doing it. It's uh, If you're in Austin or anywhere near Austin, make sure you go to the Zero Gravity Institute because that is, that's, you know, that's starting at the top. That's a pretty, pretty amazing place. So hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you wanna say You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation All right, I'm here with Kevin Johnson at Zero Gravity Institute in Austin, Texas. Uh, Here's the story before I introduce Kevin any further or let him talk. Kevin's just going to sit here and listen for a minute. The story is I I came to Austin. Kevin follows me on Twitter or heard from Aubrey Marcus or somehow that I was in town. Okay. And was kind enough to send me an email. offering Cassie and I free floats. And as podcast listeners know, I've been wanting to do this for a while. And Joe Rogan's been giving me a ton of shit for not having done it already. And, uh, and, but I just thought we're too busy. We're, you know, we're only here two days. Then I got then you know, a day later, um, I got a tweet or a message from Aubrey Marcus, who's been on the podcast saying, hey, dude, if you get a chance, you really have to go to this guy's place. It's unbelievable. It's where I go. It's where, you know, like my friends go. It's it's really the place to go. So uh, I assumed it would be really hard to get a, an appointment, but I, I uh, sent you a text yesterday or something and said, what about tomorrow morning? And you're like, 11. I was like, ah, we're there. So we came in. It's been, it's what, 4, 3.30, something like that now. So it's been a couple of hours, but I, I have to say it's one of the most amazing experiences I've had. And um, I've had some amazing experiences, but that I entered into states of consciousness there that yeah, really reminded me of 
some of the early trips I've had, mm-hmm. uh, some travel stuff, some, you know what I thought about? I, I thought about this place I stayed in Jaisalmer, India. You've been to India? No, no. It's a really interesting place. It's uh, Jaisalmer is like at the end of the road, the end of the train. You know, it's <laughs> when you're headed toward Pakistan in the desert mm. in Rajasthan. And there's this giant sandstone fortress. Um, I don't know if you've been to Carcassonne in France. I uh, know I've been in a lot of places in France, but never there. Yeah, well, if you go to Carcassonne, you'll see it's the same sort of thing. There's like a plane, and, and then you get this view of this giant castle, and there's like a, you know, sort of people living on the hillsides around it, but most of the uh-huh. town is inside, you okay. know, this medieval. And right. it's medieval in India, too. This is, you know, back in the days of the Raj and all that. And, um, so you go, you go to this place, and it's just amazing. There are all these dudes. Like the only really attractive men I saw in India were in in Jaisalmer. Um, they're these like because they're like they're they're martial looking. They're, they're they've got these big mustaches, uh-huh. and they wear these orange turbans, and they've got old bolt lock rifles. Yeah, yeah. I see and they're the riding around yeah. on camels. <laughs> I mean, it's so funky, man. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I, I my friend and I got a room in the, that's built into the wall of the castle. Mm-hmm. And we went out and we got some uh, bang lassies, which is a marijuana milkshake, essentially. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so we got really stoned. And then we went back to our room and my friend fell asleep. But he had been telling me for a long time. Um, cause I went to India with no music. I thought the last night when I was packing, I was like, gotta lose some weight. Oh, let's get rid of the cassettes and the Walkman <laughs> instead of the fucking water filter in the tent, you know, like who right. the fuck travels to India with a tent anyway. Uh, so I had been traveling for a month or so with no music and my friend had a Walkman and he had like 10 cassettes and, um, I kept listening to the Rolling Stones and Talking Heads because nice. I knew them. And the others were these Australian bands I'd never heard of. And he kept telling me, dude, I think you would really like Midnight Oil. You should listen to Midnight Oil. Great band. Yeah. And, I, and I'd never heard of them. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll listen to the Stones again. Sticky Fingers. You know, I know yeah. I love that. So yeah. I listened to that again and again. Finally, that night. We go back to this room, and this is a room with no windows, like bored into rock, you know, right. a cave, essentially. All the lights are off, and I think, well, I'm stoned. It's absolutely silent and black in here. I'm going to listen to that midnight oil finally. So I put the midnight oil in. I turn off the lights. I lie down. I'm listening to this music, and it's the most spacey, bizarre interesting complex music i've ever heard the way they like they had recorded the voices and then they played the voice at a lower speed and then there were the music was overdubbed and different different instruments at different speeds and it all fit together and then it and i was like wow this he didn't tell me this was like way beyond brian eno funky shit here you know and the morning i said to him dude that that music like you didn't tell me how experimental it is and how and he was like what the fuck are you talking about he looked at the cassette he said the batteries are dead man (laughs) (laughs) i'd listened to the whole thing i was like (laughs) oh this is good i've ever heard (laughs) anyway that's out they're a pretty straightforward pop rock uh, band yeah exactly like surfer bar (laughs) you know 
How could we dance? I know you're with... describing this, and I'm like, wow, I, I know most of the uh, of, of Midnight Oil's records. I never yeah, heard anything like that. You didn't like hear that. their early work, <laughs> did you? Must have been really early in the game for them, <laughs> like early Pink Floyd or something. Uh, anyway, great. so th- I was reminded that I was lying there thinking, like, man, that's like probably the last time I've been like floating out of my body as as far as I was this morning. Yeah, that without was really the, interesting. The uh, edibles and yeah, I didn't even yeah. get a coffee on my way here. Yeah. I was well, that's good. Yeah. No, so, no caffeine uh, in the tanks. You the, don't want to do that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And interesting, like, there's no way we drove, what, like, four miles to get here. And there's no way you could drive four miles in L.A. or Portland and not see a coffee shop. Right. <laughs> so I don't know if that was a special route we took or if you've paid coffee shops to go away in a five-mile yeah, radius. There's plenty around. Uh, there's plenty around. We just yeah. – so it's like when you go looking for peyote buttons. If you're not yeah. ready, you won't see them. So the gods were – you were just in the groove, yeah. <laughs> you just knew somehow that you weren't supposed to get all caffeinated before your float. Yeah, yeah. All right. So anyway, let's let's talk uh, let's talk floating. All right. um, as I told you this morning, I I know about John Lilly. I've read Center of the Cyclone. A good friend of mine was a good friend of his. I mm-hmm. sort of have this connection. Uh, Stanley Krippner, who was on Rogan's podcast, mm-hmm. you might have heard mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, Stanley Krippner is crazy. Like he he partied with Timothy Leary and Alan Watts, yeah. and you know, it's like what a <laughs> what an interesting cat. Every once in a while, if you see me look down, it's just to make sure it hasn't paused. I've had that. Um, Anyway, so uh, you started talking a little bit this morning about how you got into this. You went to California when, 84, you said? Yeah, 85. 85. Just straight out of college. Yeah. What did you do in college? Uh, I was a theater major. Uh I was was studying music and theater in New York. And then uh, I ended up going out to L.A. to to work on a couple of projects that, that were offered to me. And literally, like, the week I got there, the L.A. Weekly does this article about this float center that had opened up and was was uh, providing this experience for people. I'd been introduced in movies, you know, the movie Altered States. We talked about that a little. Uh, but, uh, you know, I thought it was just an invention for the movie. I had no idea that it was a real thing. But uh, definitely piqued my interest. So I went in and did a float. It was incredible, very profound. My first float was incredible. I kind of didn't believe that it was real, like that this had really happened to me. And uh, so I made an appointment to get back, you know, within a couple of days and uh, I met one of the owners at that visit and mentioned that I was new to town, offered me a job, which I thought was great because I was definitely interested in doing this floating thing more often. Yeah. So one of the perks was a bunch of free floating. So I, I took the job even though I didn't really need it and uh, stayed there for several years just working for them. Learned a lot about the industry when it was really in its infancy. Before, right. This was the first time anyone had ever even tried to do this on a commercial level. Anywhere so, in the world. Anywhere in the world, Yeah. And it was a it was a collaboration between the owners of a, a float tank company called Samadhi, and, and a couple of guys in Los Angeles that were interested in in doing it. So it was an amazing experience, and I feel really lucky to have gotten into it that early in the game. Right. So yeah. So you worked there for a while, learned the business, and then did you open up your own place? shortly thereafter or you sat on it for a while or uh, no i sat on that for uh, more than 25 years hmm. uh, th- we we actually just opened this place last year oh really yeah so i, I had been off uh, struggling as a musician and an artist trying trying to make my way in that world and and uh, did that for you know 25 years and then last year um i just started feeling um 
more unsettled than usual and like I really wanted to to get into something different I was feeling a little burned out from touring and and being in that world all the time and what what kind of music were you playing um are you one of the eagles am I I sitting across from one of the eagles and I don't even know it? wouldn't that be cool if that was the truth no 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 um most of this time, I, I've, I've been in musical projects with my wife, who's an amazing uh, vocalist and, and musician uh-huh. herself. And uh, we started out kind of as a uh, kind of a folk duo, and then over the years evolved through a lot of things. We, we did like uh, you know hippie jam band in the '90s, and uh, throughout the early part of the 2000s, we were kind of an um, electronica duo. So we, we, we've kind of run the gamut as far as <laughs> musical styles go we've tried a little bit of everything right. we own a recording studio we produce for a lot of other artists as well uh, and, and i'm yeah. f- fucking around here with my zoom and oh, you it. know i'm a rank amateur oh. uh so you you have a recording studio here in austin yeah 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 so we we still we still do a lot of that work on the side but like i say last year i just i, I started feeling really unsettled I, I felt like i wanted to make some other kind of contribution besides the one that we had been doing with with our music and our art so uh i it's funny because like my my choice for like how to decide what you want to do with your life was you know i was like I need to just do a bunch of floating and, and, and get this thing settled in my, in my mind about right. you know what I want to do. I wanted to do something that I was passionate about, but I didn't really understand what that would be at the time. So, uh, you know, I, I've always floated consistently throughout my whole life. You know, wherever I am on the road, I always try to find a float center and, and get my floating in and stuff. But uh, here I was in Austin and and I uh, started to spend some time in, in, a, um, in a float tank one day it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, man, you need to open a real float center and you need to design some cool flotation tanks that function better in a commercial setting. And, and it just, it just really all sort of hit me all in one float. I came out of the tank and I was just like, I know what it is. I know what I'm passionate about. I know what I know. And so, uh, I, I jumped right in. I, I started looking for real estate the next day and, uh, sat on my computer, started designing the tanks that I wanted to use. And, you know, I, all right, I'm a novice, right? But uh, I can definitely relate to what you're saying because one of the things I felt in there this morning was a clarification of purpose yeah. in a way. There was – I mean I wasn't doing any particular – I wasn't like working to focus my mind in a meditation sense. I was sort of right. letting it float around yeah. and go where it wanted um, and noticing what, what I was feeling in my body, which was uh, – expansion i was feeling like uh like i was my arms were getting longer my legs were getting longer my neck was stretching out i you know and i which i guess is the whole zero gravity thing right right right. but it was strange how how obvious it was you know and how sensory it was Mm -hmm. you know i don't know if my arms actually were any longer but it really felt it and i and i sometimes i would be shocked by the clicking and snapping and popping mm-hmm. of the bones as your going muscles out. are letting go of your skeleton exactly yeah. yeah i mean it's a whole different awareness of how we are in our bodies mm-hmm. that, that is very interesting and then you know related to what you were saying i i i felt uh how can i say like a clarification an emotional psychological clarification for example uh, this is going to sound <laughs> this is going to crack people up but it's true 
I had an image of Joe Rogan go across my, you know, my... <laughs> the patron saint of flirting. <laughs> exactly, exactly, with a, with a halo around his shaved head. Um, and I felt, I felt great affection. I can't wait till Joe hears you say I, I that. I know, he's like, last time I hugged Joe, I told him, like, dude, I'd love to give you a massage sometime. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> he's got such great muscle development. Yeah, and yeah. as I've done massage therapy... rock. Well, he's not though. That's really? the thing. I mean, he's he's super. I mean, because he's relaxed. Yeah. You know, but there's all this like very discernible layers of muscle, and it's mm. oh, it's so well developed that it like giving a massage is like, you know, it's like changing the, the you know, the carburetor on a '65 Chevy. You know, right. it's like everything's all spread out and easy to access. Wow. You know that's, what I mean? That's pretty cool. Whereas like. Smaller people, tense people, and women tend to be, it's like working on a Honda. You know, it's like, well, every, it's hard to get at things and you can't really tell what's what. And it's, for me anyway, it's much easier to do massage therapy with men, and particularly men who are, um, you know, developed musculature. And he's still relaxed because he floats all the time. He's got one in his house. So, yeah. Yeah. That helps so much. Does he have one of yours? No. No, he has a time uh, for an upgrade, Joe. <laughs> I think he has a really nice tank. Yeah, actually. I'll bet he does. Yeah. He's, he's, everything he's got is really, really nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, I was on. I think I told you I was on with uh, Duncan and and Joe. And Joe mm-hmm. started, you know, telling us we should have tanks and all that. And Duncan said, "That's what I call the song of the millionaire." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to get you and Duncan both set up with tanks. Uh, and, oh, and Joe, if he needs an upgrade, whatever great. it takes. Man. You, you got to buy me a floating. house first. I think get you a house to put it. <laughs> Yeah, they're not easy to move. I mean, throw them in a U-Haul truck there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They're not easy to move, and ours are big. Yeah, so. yeah. It's, I mean, you could live in one of those yeah. things. That's, that's yeah, it was great. about the size of my first apartment in New York. It's <laughs> yeah. about comparable. Right? Hell, that's a two bedroom in New York. <laughs> Um, anyway, I just before I forget, I do want to stipulate that I think I said it in the intro, but I want to make sure that when you offered Cassie and I this thing, there was no expectation that I was going to do a podcast with you, or you know, this isn't a, a, you know, this isn't a ninety-minute advertisement no, here. This yeah. uh, you and I talked a little bit afterward, and you sounded so interesting. I just wanted to do this. Thanks. So well, I just wanted to give you guys the votes because. Um, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've uh, I've followed you now for a while, and and your your stories are amazing to me. I'm really inspired by a lot of a, a lot of what I've heard about your life. Thanks. And um, you know, floating is it, you know, owning a float center and doing this is um, it's also about paying back. Like I wanted I wanted to do something that that contributed and and benefited the community, and uh, you know, the amount of time that I spend listening to podcasts. And, you know, the opportunity for me to give that to you as just a way to say thank you for the information that you're putting out into the world and the, and the particular way that you do it. Mm, thanks. I, I felt like, you know, this was at least something that, that I could do to, to give back. And I'm really, really happy that you guys, you know, uh, took me up on the offer and came in and, and, uh, yeah. and got your flip. Well, I am too. And, and you, you noted how different Casilda looked. Both of you. Yeah. The first thing you said to me when you got out of the tank was, I now have to uh, think about my life as before floating and after floating. <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, as, as a yeah. guy who does float tanks, like that's just exactly what I wanted to hear. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it. I mean, Casilda's had this chronic pain condition for yeah. several years now, and 
I, we went to lunch after talking with you and she, she couldn't stop talking about it. Like That's she, great. you know, felt, and she's super into her body. She's yeah. a, she's an MD. She's a yeah. dancer. You know, she's, she was, before she had this condition, she was a very serious athlete. She was like on TV in Spain and, hmm. you know, won one of those checks that you have to like, you the know, hold like, check. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She looked just radiant when she came out of yeah. the tank. You could just yeah. tell that her whole thing had changed. Yeah. You know? So it's wonderful. I mean, you, you you're in pain for three or four years, and then you have 60 minutes where you're pain-free. That's pretty that amazing. Lot. We hear that a lot from people that are suffering from chronic pain. That, like, you know, it's a part. It's partially because of you know putting yourself in that zero gravity effect, so you don't have the constant downward pull of gravity on your body, on your right. muscles, and your skeleton. But also the fact that you're producing a lot of endorphins while you're in there. So, you know, these are the natural painkillers and mood elevators. So mm. you feel great and, you know, mentally and physically when you come out of a float. What, uh, talking f- further along with that, you mentioned something about vets and PTSD. Yeah. What, what other therapeutic applications are there for this? Well, that, that one in particular has been really amazing because we, um, so the story goes like this. We had a, a vet that came in, drove down from Waco, from the VA up there. He had uh, heard about floating through, the, through Joe's podcast and all of you guys talking about it and wanted to give it a try. So he did. And um, on his like third or fourth float, he was making such great progress that his doctors took him off of all of his medication, six years of heavy medication for PTSD. And he goes back and says, you know, I'm good. I've worked through a lot of these issues, and I, w- I want to be done with those meds. Well, now there's a whole group of guys that come down, you know, once or twice a month. They fill up a van. They come down here. They spend all day. You know, we cycle them through here as best we can. And same thing, there's a group from San Antonio, the Wounded Warriors program, brings a bunch of guys up here a couple times a month. So, And these guys are making great strides. They, they come out of the tank. they got a big smile on their face. They're looking at us and saying, wow, I just worked through some shit that I've been trying to deal with for, for years. Right? And it has to do with the fact that the the, the nervous system, we function in two two modes, right? There's the the um, sympathetic nervous system, which is the one that we deal with most of the time, the fight-or-flight reactions, the ones that are keeping us alive in the outside world. We're supposed to regularly go into this parasympathetic response where the body's able to do background work like extra digestion, enzyme production, uh, production of neurotransmitters, things like this. Sort of basic maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, All the background maintenance, right? Well, these days... for all of us in general, we're living in this like super stimulating environment. We've got stuff just flying at us. You know, we've got traffic and, and computers and cell phones and text messages. And I mean, just think about what we go through every day. So it's, it's already, it's already hard for, for the average person to get into that parasympathetic mode. Then you add something like post-traumatic stress to that. And there are guys that literally go years without their body changing and slipping into that parasympathetic response. It's just awful for you. I mean, it just, it taxes you on so many levels. And so to see these guys that, that, you know, they've been affected in some way that their system is not able to go parasympathetic, then you get them in this environment where there's no sensory input, and it finally, finally allows them to let go and slip into that parasympathetic mode. The world changes for them. Just changes. So why, why do you think that's so different from sleep? 
because I mean, sleep they could they can close the curtains, they can you know have a white noise machine, whatever you know. There are ways to minimize the the sensory input uh, apart from the pressure of your body on the bed. Right. But this does seem. I mean, I, I said this this morning. I felt like I never fell asleep, but I slipped into a a non vigilant conscious state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and what the, what the, it was not like falling asleep because there's no waking up process. Right. It, it was, the consciousness just sort of focused again. You You're know? in that kind of hypnagogic state between waking and sleeping. It's, that, it's yeah. that thing that we go through early in the morning when we're first waking up. So what? So what's the – what is it? What's so different than lying in a hammock in a quiet, dark room? Because – First and foremost, you're still dealing with gravity. Where, wherever you are on this planet, you mm. have gravity. Okay. So, so we get That's in the float tank, no gravity. So this immediately takes a huge chunk of the workload off of your off your brain and your nervous system. Then you've got true sensory deprivation, absolutely no light, absolutely no sound, no temperature. The, the water's heated to 93.5, which is your outside skin temperature, what we call skin receptor neutral. So you're not going to register a temperature difference between your skin the water that you're in and the air in the float tank. Right. And so, you know, even when you're asleep, you could be in your most comfortable bed. You still have gravity. You still have temperature. You still have background noises that just might be happening around your house or wherever. Yeah. Right. And so there, there is a part of, uh, especially for for PTSD sufferers, this is you know hyper vigilance for them. So they you know even when they're asleep, they're listening for something. Right. Right. Think about what what goes on in in the course of war. Right. Yeah, and it just it, it just completely causes malfunction in in these guys' systems, and this yeah. is just a place where all of that's taken away. We're, we're taking ninety percent of the workload off of your brain and your central nervous system while you're in there. So in a real way, you, you don't have much of a choice. You're you're going to slip into that parasympathetic response unless you actively work to keep yourself, you know, out of it. Yeah, yeah. The first thing I experienced was. Uh, the loss of gravity. Yeah. I, I felt like I was in a spaceship. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I was lying there. I had my arms and legs open, so I was like feeling for the walls, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd feel, you know, eventually they're huge. What are they? Eight feet by eight feet or something? So these are six feet wide, eight feet long. Oh, really? And seven feet tall. Oh, okay. Compared uh, to a standard float tank, which is four feet wide, four feet tall, yeah. And eight feet long. See, that would have been different because mm-hmm. I because I had that experience of reaching out in every direction and touching nothing. Yeah. Which was really wild. Yeah. And, you know, and because there were some waves and things, eventually I would drift over and my fingertip would touch something and then I would just barely touch it and then I'd feel myself drifting, yeah. you know, like what you see on the you know, the, the NASA films and stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. And I also had the experience of like very slight movement and I thought my head was against the wall. Because I felt pressure on my head, and then I moved my head, and there was no wall there. Right. It was just the pressure of my hair, I guess. Yeah, that, that solution's a little heavier, right? Because there's 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt dissolved in 300 gallons of water. Yeah. So it's a little bit It's almost gelatinous or something. Yeah, yeah, it has that sense to it. It's a little slick and just feels like there's more consistency to that than, than water. Yeah. Wow. Really interesting experience. Um, okay. So anyway, I don't want to keep drifting off into yeah. my my personal, <laughs> you know, novice my my virgin. Well, no, I'm sure people would be really interested in hearing about your first float experience because a lot of people that are hearing this will will be 
curious about like, wow, what's that like for your first time? Yeah, well, I, I really, I mean, look, here's, you know, I said earlier, I've, I've known about this a long time. I mean, I first heard about John Lilly and his research. Um, for people who, who aren't familiar, John Lilly uh, studied dolphin communication. Now, you probably know more about him than I do, but my understanding is he'd studied dolphin communication. He was doing work in the early 60s in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. and then he found out the U.S. military was using his research to train dolphins to kill people and blow shit up in Vietnam, and he quit. Right. Shut down the lab, and, and uh, I think he released the dolphins. There was the film The Day of the, Day Dolphin, of the Dolphin was based yeah, on him, George right? George C. Scott. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Re- loosely based on him from what I understand. <laughs> well, this is all pretty loose. <laughs> I, I don't think you can make a mainstream movie about John Lilly. He was a pretty, he was a wild man. pretty crazy guy. <laughs> yeah. Pretty eccentric. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had to have been to come up with the idea of a sensory deprivation tank. Well, and he was also – wasn't he one of these guys who, like, graduated from Caltech at 14 with a PhD yeah, or like some crazy – Yeah, guy, like yeah. off the chart. Yeah. yeah. So so he – after leaving the Dolphin thing, he went to California. It's the mid-60s, the psychedelic revolution. Everything's happening. And he uh, decided – I don't remember what his PhD is in, if it's psychology uh, neuropsychology. or – Neuropsychology. Neuropsychology. Yeah. And he decides he wants to try to answer this question that had been – uh, had had psychologists scratching their heads for centuries, really, which is, is consciousness a reactive phenomenon or an original phenomenon? In other words, if is consciousness just about noticing and responding to stimuli? If there were no stimuli, would we be conscious or would yeah. it all just stop, right? Yeah. And so in order to try to answer that question, he came up with this idea of, developing a space in which there are no stimuli and eventually came with the the salinity of the water and the soundproof and the, this and that yeah. i mean i don't know if you have you did they preserve any of his early tanks or uh yeah i think there's actually still some out there so, really? so the the first tank that he invented in 1954 was vertical oh it was 54 54 oh i thought this was 10 yeah. years later yeah so he he oh. was he was actually working on that problem before he started working with the dolphins before he did his link because that was really? about linguistics and stuff as yeah, well like he, right. he is a, a, a linguist so um yeah the first tank was vertical and they wore a a, a diver's bell like the old brass <laughs> diver's bell. right so, okay so not much in the way of sensory deprivation right. Right? you got a 60 pound piece of brass on your head <laughs> you're standing in yeah. a, a phone booth full of water yeah well and, that's and, interesting and he, to see how it works evolved it over time like i have this great picture of um this like latex mask with with um, plugs over the eyes and a breathing tube coming out of them out totally looked like a, a bondage SM kind of <laughs> a ball sick. gag yeah it yeah. was, it was uh, really creepy like i can't imagine anybody relaxing with that thing on their face <laughs> uh and so yeah it went, it, there, there was you know several steps as it evolved into what we think of now as a as a flotation tank yeah so he eventually came up with the salinity and the, mm-hmm. the horizontal okay yeah yeah. yeah. And then you've, you've, was it your innovation to make it so big, so wide? No, there's, there's a couple of float tank manufacturers, in, you know, in the world that I think there's two, maybe three other ones mm. that, that do that. That's technically considered a float room. So there's three different styles. There's a float tank, which is, you know, four by four by eight square rectangular. Um, there's um, what's called a pod. Mm 
which is more kind of an egg shaped, opens like a clam shell. Uh-huh. A little more room in in those. Uh, several several manufacturers that make those, and then uh, you know two or three or four of us in the world that that manufacture these big float rooms. Mm. This I think is kind of the trend that the industry is going toward. Just as as more and more people are interested in doing it. We're also encountering more and more people who feel like they're claustrophobic or just wouldn't be comfortable in a a closed in environment. It it is psychologically a little daunting when you, when you see these smaller tanks to think about crawling in there naked and closing the door and, you know, so, um, yeah, I just designed these. I, I took my experience Working at, at the float center in California, I took those experiences into consideration when I designed these. I, I really set out to design the the most commercially usable float tank that I could design. So they're, they're all computerized, automated. They're very simple to maintain. They're very simple to operate. So so if you own a float center, you're you're not you don't have to be a technician to to make this work. You know your your attendants, your employees can handle it. It's pretty much a, a two button operation to mm. to to get somebody. And, and if tank. things break down, can you just call a plumber? Is it simple plumbing stuff or is it specialized? The, the plumbing part of it is pretty simple. The really complex part is is the electronics part of it. You know, because these these tanks are wired for sound, for lights, uh, for video. You can actually you know, watch video in there. Um, oh, man. All, all of the uh, the heating is controlled through through sensors that feed back to the computer the, yeah. the water chemistry feeds back to the computer the whole maintenance schedule is in there right. it's a very complex system the plumbing part of it is very very basic very rudimentary right it's just circulation yeah you, I can pause all right we're back the phone has been dealt with <laughs> um we're talking about the uh the complexity of of the units so okay here here are the things that uh stopped me from floating until today okay uh, one, I thought it would be boring, and I hate to be bored, uh, even though I've done like a seven-day or what was it, a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat where there was no you know, no, yeah, no talking, <laughs> no radio, no reading, no nothing. That was a long time ago, uh, and it was very interesting. But, yeah, meditation is hard for me because, uh, you know, it's generally, in my experience, meditation is just um, – a nonstop porn festival, right? <laughs> Trying to block the images from your mind. <laughs> yeah, when there's nothing else to right. think about, suddenly, you know, there's porn, um, uh, which explains a lot about my life, I suppose. But uh, so I thought I'd, I thought it would be boring, completely wrong. It was anything but boring. It was fascinating. And actually, there was a point where I I must have had some auditory hallucination because I thought I heard music coming on, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Already, it's over already. <laughs> like that felt like ten minutes, you know. Yeah. Um, and luckily, that that just went away. Uh, the uh, another thing I thought it would be kind of grungy because you know, oh, lots of people are using this water, and you know, it's like a public pool, but it's much smaller. And right. I mean, it, and my experience is limited to this one place but your place is spotless it's like it's like stepping into a you know like the ultra first class cabin of the coolest airplane in the world (laughs) i mean the robes and the massage chairs and you know everything is 
thought of and anticipated and you've got the earplugs and the lotions and everything the showers right next to the tank you step out of the shower right into the tank it's all really well designed and and easy and clean and comfortable what how how do you keep the water clean i mean not because i mean obviously I don't know if you have kids in here, but, you know. All ages, yeah. Yeah, now okay. Our youngest floater six. So occasionally someone yeah. might pee in one of those things. Yeah. And even if they don't, you've got skin wafting off and hair. And right. so you've got some complex filtration, I guess, because you've yeah. got all that salt as well. Yeah, the minute, uh, a couple of minutes after you finish your float. I heard it. Then, I heard the pumps come on. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, while you're in the shower, the pumps are going to start. Right. And uh, we, we have a three-stage filtration system that uses hydrogen peroxide, uh, UV light to sterilize. Uh-huh. Interesting. A super high-tech UV system. And then a, a standard, like, a paper filter cartridge, like what you would have on a swimming pool or a spa. Uh-huh. And we, we basically double all the uh, required um there's a governing body for us called the Float Tank Association. They set the standards for hygiene and, and maintenance on the tanks. And we just designed them so that in the amount of time that it, it that happens between floats, we can we, we basically filter the entire contents of that tank seven times. Wow. Yeah, between users. So we're we're basically more than doubling the requirement from the Float Tank Association. Wow. Because that's a really, really important thing. Yeah. You know, I, I came up uh I started in, in the float business as we talked about in, in, in the in the mid eighties. So I watched the effect that the AIDS crisis had on floating. And if there was one thing that uh cratered floating as an industry, because it went away for a good long time. Mm. It, it was it was uh I, I think there was probably only maybe two or three float centers in the U.S. that managed to survive that whole thing. Because by the end of the 80s, most of them had closed down. We, we, nobody understood how AIDS was transmitted, and certainly people were not going to take a chance on public water. Yeah, and so, and you're not relaxing if you're lying there thinking, ooh, this water right. might have this or that in it. Right. And, yeah, so the I think the you know your attention to, to, to cleanliness not only in in the filtration and all that, but in the space itself, yeah. creating the you know the mental impression that you're in a very clean, well maintained space is really important psychologically. It, it is really important, and that this whole center was designed to help you get the best float possible. So, so from on an energetic plane like you what what you experience when you first come in the door in the reception area that's kind of one level of energy we take you back to the changing rooms get you in a robe get you into the lounge where the massage chairs are that's a different energy there right and when the attendants take you back to the suites and show you the float rooms there's a whole different energy happening back there so we're, we're very aware of the the um, psychological part of of the floating process we see it as your float starts really when you hit our front door Right. Right. And so yeah. we, we know that, you know, you, you're never going to find trash in our trash cans. You're never going to find spots on our mirrors or our countertops. You, the floors are, you know, perfectly, perfectly clean. Like we, yeah. we spend a lot of effort here making sure that that uh, you're in the cleanest, safest environment that you can be in. And this does put your mind at ease and it does help you to have a better float. Yeah. Because not, not all float centers are like this. Think, think about the amount of salt that we deal with. Right. Like that's our double-edged sword. Like we can't function without that salt, but damn, that salt gets everywhere. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, I buy Epsom salts at, you know, CVS in these little one-pound bags. You guys must have trucks back up. I buy them on the back of a semi-truck, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Seriously. Is it, I mean, are they even packed? 
packaged or do they just sort of like you they, know, they come in dump 50, it off? 50 pound bags. 50 pound bags. Yeah, and we, we, use a, we use the highest grade Epsom salt that you can buy. It's a pharmaceutical grade. You, you could eat it as a laxative. Like it's super, super what, nice. What is Epsom salts anyway? It's, it's, or it's, what are Epsom salts? Is it's it? actually uh, magnesium sulfate. So it's it's a, a salt created in a laboratory. It's, it's uh, no, it's not, naturally mined. it's naturally occurring. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's mined as magnesium sulfate, and very very good for you. Um, so you with if you do not have proper levels of magnesium in your system, mm-hmm. your joints don't function properly. You cannot absorb water, so you can't hydrate, and therefore you cannot detox. And uh, magnesium is a laxative, so if you take it orally. Wherever the magnesium goes, the water goes. That's the rule. So uh, if you take it orally, while it's in your digestive system, your body's going to flood your digestive system with water, and you're going to pass it. So it's very hard to absorb that way. So um, a lot of people are deficient in magnesium and don't even know it. When you're in the tank, you're going to absorb it transdermally, which is the way to do it. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, give you basically the building blocks to be able to, uh, uh, to hydrate and, and to detox as well. All right, and, then, and for joint function, which is why it's such a good uh, answer for chronic pain sufferers, because a lot of that is joint related. Right. Okay. Th- this is very indelicate, and, and I don't know if this is related at all, but I went over to that cafe that you recommended. Yes. And about an hour after I got out of the tank, I had one of those... I had the perfect shit. No, is that related to this at all? I would imagine. I would imagine that just the hydration and and the extra magnesium in your system, your your whole system probably just balanced out while you're in there. You, you've also, you also and, and did remember, a lot of, I hadn't had any coffee too. Right. Yeah, yeah. You do a lot of extra digestion when you're in the tank. That's why we uh, recommend that people eat a, a light meal about an hour to an hour and a half before they float. Because your body's going to, once it switches into that parasympathetic response, one of the things that happens is extra rest and digestion. Mm. So, yeah. I think I was still digesting from the barbecue place we went to last night. Yeah, we can't come to Texas without gorging on some barbecue. <laughs> we, went, we went to the Salt Lick. Yeah. You know, that place. Yeah, it seems course. like it's an institution. It's an institution. It's, it's awesome, amazing yeah. out there. My yeah. God. There is like, you're driving through the country. Beautiful country beautiful out there. Country, yeah. yeah. And then you come to this place, and it's got a parking. It looks like it's you know a football field or something. There's parking for 500 people or something. Oh, at least massive. I'm sure they can probably put a thousand or 1,200 people in that place to have yeah. all that outdoor seating. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool place. Yeah, so, I mean, you're in barbecue heaven. Austin has amazing yeah. barbecue and Mexican food and all that stuff. So, this episode brought to you by Salt Lick, <laughs> yeah. Austin's favorite barbecue place. Family friendly. And it was interesting. Like, I, I was kind of bummed because they didn't serve alcohol, no beer, no wine. And, and I, I, it said BYOB. And I was like, well, shit, I didn't know I had a BYOB. Yeah, and then you're 20 miles from the nearest <laughs> Exactly. Store, right? There's like nothing anywhere. So the waiter came over. He's like, how you doing? And I was like, yeah, I was doing all right till I found out you guys don't have any beer here. And he's like, dude, right over there. Like, there's a package store oh, on the property. Yeah. And so, so it's some technicality. I guess right. they didn't want a liquor license for the restaurant. Probably, I don't know what. Yeah. And uh, Texas has weird laws about that kind of stuff. Too, yeah, so. although the loophole seemed pretty massive. You just like walk 
you know, 20 feet to the right and buy your beer and walk right. back in, you know? Yeah. So, all right. That's easy enough. Leave it to Texas to have the most regulations and the biggest loopholes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That is kind of a Texas <laughs> thing. So, um, now you said, so where were you from originally? Are you from I New York? Oh, you grew up here. Texas, yeah. ah, so went you went to, to New York for a school. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. And then L.A. You know, when you said you were doing some projects, they were music projects in L.A.? Uh, they were theater acting projects. Yeah, oh. I, I got I got picked up by an agency in L.A. right right after I finished school in New York. Then I got signed to an agency, and they brought me out there to L.A. to. So you're in any movies? No, no. Mm-hmm. I, I bailed on that pretty much right away. I, I started yeah. making music more more um, a fundamental part of my life than, than the theater thing was. And I, I always had an an intention to go back to it but i never really did i got real focused on music and that whole world so yeah i mean i i've i've had a little bit of uh, experience with the tv world not movies much but the tv world in la and man you know there's as much like the ratio of bullshit is it's like epsom salts to water and you you know it's just like my god it's super saturated with bullshit yeah i think kind of going to la is what kind of got me out of it like just seeing the industry that close and you know going out to all these auditions and meeting people and, and you know those parties those hollywood parties that they have that are just so fake disingenuous plastic yeah just oh, i just i just couldn't hang there i grew up in texas people here are so real they're so genuine you know yeah. if, you, if you're if you're gonna go to a party with a bunch of people they're you're gonna be friends with them right and this just wasn't like that they all seem like networking projects more than anything you, know? Do you ever see a tv show called episodes yeah i love that show actually <laughs> it's so great it's so great because yeah. uh, for people who haven't seen it check it out i think it's in its I think just finished the second season. Yeah. And it seems like they might be doing a third by the way the second ended. You yeah. Remember they, yeah. So it's about this British couple who do a really interesting intelligent show in, in England about a headmaster and his students. And, you know, he's imparting wisdom to them and blah, blah, blah. So it gets it wins some award, gets picked up by an American studio, flies them out to L.A. Yeah, we're going to do your show. It's going to be great. We want you to come and consult and help us write and blah, blah, blah. And they get out there and they're promised that it's going to be they're exactly the same, same high quality. Everything's great. By the time the studio gets done with it, it's got it's the headmasters become a hockey coach. Yeah, hockey coach. The show's called Pucks. <laughs> and it's just like played by, uh, what's his name? Joey. Yeah, from, Joey from, from Friends. Friends. Um, uh, what's his name? He's great. He plays himself so well. He plays like, you know, he's the guy who was on Friends, and he's like older now, but he's still chasing around all and the little... Falling into this really lame part on a really lame TV show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Matt. It's Matt. Matt something. LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. Right, right. He's fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great show because it gives you that sense of what L.A. is like from, through the eyes of someone who's like simultaneously amazed and horrified by right. it. Yeah. It's, great commentary on that particular industry and that, that subculture that exists there for yeah. sure. Although I have to say, in defense of L.A. and and my friends in L.A., Duncan and Joe and and others, uh, since our book came out, uh, my experience of Los Angeles is really different Mm -hmm. in terms of people. Mm -hmm. Traffic still sucks. You know, everything that sucks still sucks, except um, like the first day I, I lived in L.A. last winter and I was driving down and 
I'm not even in the city yet. I get a text from a guy I sort of know. He's another writer who had interviewed me for something, and we became friendly. And he said, hey, I, I hear, I saw on Twitter or whatever, you're, you're coming to L.A. Uh, if you're going to be here at 4 o'clock today, there's a birthday party at Moby's house. I'd like to, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just at Moby's house. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Moby, I vaguely, I'd heard, I knew that one song by Moby, right? And I'm not like in the club scene or anything. The, the you know, the one where he samples the, the woman, oh, the trouble I see, yeah. you know. Um, oh, Lordy, oh, the troll. Lordy. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. That's a great tune. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Natural Ways, I think uh-huh. it's called. Yeah. Um, so I had a vague sense who Moby was. And, and I was like, yeah, all right, I'll drop my stuff and, and meet you at this place. So I go to this place and I'm thinking, this is going to be the ultimate bullshit Hollywood hookers and Hollywood coke. Fest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it was at his house up in the Hollywood Hills. He has this beautiful compound up there. Nice. So we go up there and. Um, the first thing that struck me was no coke, no hookers, uh, families, little kids, kids dogs. Around. Like, okay, this is very wholesome looking. Everyone's hanging out at the pool. No alcohol, not even beer, which kind of disappointed me. You know, uh, you know what kind of party has no alcohol? Uh, it turns out Moby's sober, vegetarian. Yeah, you know, right. not into any of that. And, uh, and, but the people were really nice people. And, and I saw people there I recognized, like no one, I was like, oh, that's, but people who's like, I know that guy's face for sure. You yeah. know, like, oh, and her, I've seen her like, what? but, um, you know, I didn't want to be the goofball who's like, Hey, what movie were you in? Right? right. So I didn't ask, but I was waiting for it to come up or someone to mention it. And we were there three hours, four hours. Nobody said a word. And at one point, I finally, I'd been talking to someone for half an hour. And I said, you know, yeah, I live in Spain. And in Spain, it's considered, uh, it would be considered really silly and American, actually, to ask someone what they do for a living. Yeah, yeah. And, but in L.A., the first thing anyone ever asks you is what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. I've been at this party three hours. Nobody's asked me. What's up? What's going on? What? How I've never seen this L.A. before. And what he said was that L.A. is this like, you know, there's there there are three uh, layers to L.A. social life. There's the bottom, which is like you know eighty percent or something, which is people who get to L.A. They're striving, they're struggling, they're networking, they're trying to. How can I use you? Right. And (laughs) you know, those are the people you meet when you just go to L.A. You know. And because everyone's like, how can you help me get where I need to go? Yeah, right? right. And so oh, do you have an agent? Is it good? You, you know, who do you, what, who do you work with? Who's your lawyer and what's going on? And how much do they pay you? And blah, 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 blah. And uh, that's insufferable, especially someone like me who's not part of the game. So right. you within 10 seconds, they're like, you're useless to me, you know, and then they turn away. Right. Yeah. But uh then there's this the top you know maybe four or five percent who just can't stop thinking that way. So they've already got their millions and they've made their movies and their whatever, but they're still like still trying to generate money and success and fame yeah. or whatever. Movers and shakers. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah the powerful whatever. But then there's this the this band just below the top but above the bottom where. You know, maybe it's 10 or 15 percent who have done what they want to do. They're mm-hmm. content. They've mm-hmm. written their book. They've made a movie. They've done this. They're, they're not about getting famous and they're right. not about getting endlessly wealthy. They're about doing something that's meaningful and interesting and fun. Yeah. And they're cool. Yeah. And there are a lot of those people in L.A. and they're yeah. really interesting, great people. So that's what I've 
I've been able to meet, I've been able to move into that level since our book came out. And now people cool. like want to meet me and yeah. want to hear me, my thing and all that. And, you know, Joe and Duncan and, you know, they've got really interesting friends. So once you sort of get into that level, then it's a, a wonderful place. Yeah. Still, you spend a lot of time sitting in fucking cars and highways, which is yeah. why I don't live there. But yeah. Anyway, I just want to put in a good word for LA. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's why we got to avoid those kind of big generalizations about something. Because as soon as you say that, then you realize, like, well, of course, not everybody's like that, and and certainly, you know, people are looking for a real experience, a genuine experience. I'm, you know, I, I met Joe a couple of weeks ago. He was in town for South by Southwest. Couldn't have been a nicer, more down to earth guy. You yeah, know, just like you would expect him to be from listening to him on his podcast. You know, and. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think you're right. I think there's plenty of people out there that are super cool, super real, genuine, and just, just want to have a normal life. And there's so many people there that if you just, like, t- if they're even 2% who are cool, that's a lot that's of fucking lot people. Of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, I, I, lo- I love living in L.A. I mean, you know. I, where'd I, you I, live? In Venice Beach. Oh, so that's a cool place to yeah. live. I lived in Topanga. Yeah, that's awesome. Similar. Very, very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah I have I like, friends that live in Topanga. Yeah. Yeah, I actually Venice. We we would have if we're going to stay there long term. Mm-hmm. Long term, I think Venice would be because Venice you don't need a car, right? You know, which exactly. is great. You can get around on a bike and you're cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Venice, Santa Monica, Marina del Rey, like that whole zone right there, super comfortable, very very laid back and interesting. Yeah, <laughs> but you're fucked if you have to go anywhere west of the four, east of the four hundred five. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, do not do not venture there. <laughs> Uh, so okay, back to floating. Where sure. where is floating most popular? Because you're saying guys are coming down from Waco, coming up from San Antonio. I think you said. So I guess there aren't float centers there, or their tanks yeah, are too a, small. There, there's or, only a few of them in Texas. There's only a few float centers. There's a couple up in Dallas, and uh, and then this one here. Um, it's more popular in other parts of the country. I mean, certainly California has tons and tons of float mm. centers um really big in portland where, where you're living yeah now. i see a lot of them in portland yeah, there's, there's at least three or four in portland uh san francisco area has a bunch um uh, what about internationally very very popular in europe and asia probably mm. more popular in europe than it is in the u.s really yeah uh, yeah. Particularly Northern Europe, uh, yeah, uh, the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. It's really, really big. I mean, think about like you know, Europe's always been big into spas anyway. Yeah, so saunas, like that whole spa culture yeah. going on there. So as this industry evolves, it's plugging straight into that, uh-huh. into that kind of a, a culture. So yeah, and it's growing all the time. I mean, the the more that there's podcasts like this that we're talking about floating and just, you know, there's um, people like Joe and Duncan and, and, and Aubrey Marcus, like, you know, these guys are huge advocates of this uh, for obvious reasons. It's so good for you. And um, uh, I think as the, um, as the need for the kind of results that you would normally be getting from psychedelics, Right, which aren't available to us the way they should be. This is a great alternative, and so in in times of you know just the overstimulation of our current culture and the, the lack of access to these other medicines that are great learning tools, 
it's that that's what's driving the popularity of it. People are talking yeah. and, and learning. Well, and also uh, there's a psychological danger to hallucinogens. You know, mm-hmm. T- Timothy Leary, I think it was Leary who talked about set and setting a lot. Right. You know? right. And, uh, you know, as, uh, people have heard me talk about this before, of course, but set is where you are in your life. You're okay. You're not particularly sad. Nobody close to you is dying. You know, you don't have a lot of heavy shit coming down right now. And setting is who you're with and all that. Um, you know, you know, take LSD and go to a fucking bar or, you know, a football game or some right. stupid shit like that. You go to nature, you go, you know, listen to music, you look at art, surround yourself with beauty and safety. And what what's really cool about this is, as you say, you access a lot of the same areas, but without the risk. Right. Right. There's no like bad trip. You, you know, if you're not feeling good, you get up and take a shower. Yeah. There's an escape route. Yeah. That's, that's not there when you're doing ayahuasca or mushrooms or LSD or something like that. Right. Right. You, you go and you've signed on for something that you're not getting out of. Right. And if you're in a time of your life where there is a lot of stress, this is great. Yes. This isn't a problem. Right. Someone close to you is dying. We'll go take a float and rejuvenate so you can go back and help them more, yeah. you know, and, and be centered in yourself. Right. You know, another aspect of this, the, the physical, we were talking earlier about the, the elongation of the muscles and the mm-hmm. relaxation and all that. Um, I'm at a time in my life now where I haven't worked out regularly in years. I've been traveling and moving and, you know, haven't done yoga in years. I'm the least flexible I've been. I'm probably the most out of shape I've ever been in my life. But I had moments of uh, like bodily ecstasy of yeah. feeling really good, which I like, Whoa, I haven't felt that in a long time. Yeah. And then I thought like, what's this like for Joe or Aubrey or these guys who work out a lot, who are in really good shape. It must be amazing for yeah. them, you know? And I guess it's, it's as the muscles release, their endorphins being endorphins. released. Right. Yeah. And so if you're in shape, which you know where your your muscles are are tight your your whole body's tight you know in a good way mm-hmm. generally but maybe not good sometimes you pull pull muscles and you know tendons and things um to for people who work out you mentioned athletes it must be amazing oh yeah to just lie in there and just like whoa let it all go that must feel really good yeah and it's it, uh, not only that but you know you're also you're you're having a drop in blood pressure because you've taken the gravity away, your your vascular system expands. There's this this ah. uh, vasodilation that happens. Right. So your uh, bigger plumbing, less back pressure. So lower lower blood pressure, lower heart rate because your heart's not having to push against gravity. Lower respiratory rate because you're lying there still and you're not having to feed uh, yeah. your muscles a bunch of oxygen. I a couple times right? I forgot to breathe. Yeah. And it wasn't there was no panic or, or anxiety. I just like. My first, uh, I was aware of it by the fact that uh, um, I was, it was so quiet. And I'm like, that's really, that's really quiet. Yeah. It's like, oh, because I'm not breathing. Oh, yeah, bring that. You know, interesting. I guess, as you say, I guess there's just so little need for oxygen that I could just pause between breaths for quite a while. Yeah, the requirement for oxygen in your muscles just goes way down. I mean, you just need enough now to run your heart, your brain, just, you know, just the basic background stuff. Right. Yeah. This is one of the reasons that it's just so good for you. And you're, you're getting this, this increased circulation. So, so that's helping with, um, with, uh, recovery from exercise, you know, if you're to, to rebuild muscles and, right. you know, regeneration. So it's, it's just, it's, it's, 
deceptively simple, right? I'm going to take off my clothes. I'm going to get in this box and float around for an hour. It's so simple. But what it does for you, your physiology and your chemistry, I mean, it's complex and can be really profound. You mentioned some of the research earlier on uh, sleep, people who have sleep deprivation, mm-hmm. that, that your, your body essentially rejuvenates much more quickly and does, goes through a lot of the same cycles. Does it go through the – well, it's not going through the REM cycle, right? The REM – I say REM well, like Spain. In, <laughs> in Spain, they make things words, right? Yeah. Like the CIA is La CIA and the, right. you know, all these – so the band – REM right. is REM. REM. Yeah, they all say, oh, me gusta mucho REM. Like, no, it's not REM, damn it. Uh, so now I'm doing it. as like right. the REM stage. No, REM stage. Uh, so you don't, I mean, your brain's not going through those well, patterns. Yeah, actually, it is. It is? Yeah, because one of the things that's happening is your brain waves are slowing down when you mm. get in there just because of lack of the, the sensory input goes away so your brain your brain can slow down right so you're what what you experienced today based on what you told me was you your mental state moved from alpha waves down into theta waves that theta state is where you are when you're in deep meditation or when you're dreaming this is a very visual state this is why a lot of people report uh, mild hallucinations in the tank a lot of times you see light or you may Joe just Rogan. see imagery from, <laughs> right? Uh, St. Rogan. Uh, th- this is why. This is because your brain, your brain is producing theta waves, and uh-huh. that's you know, affecting the, the, the visual part of your brain. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So even though you're technically not asleep, you can have very vivid, lucid dreams in the tank. I, I do it all the time. Yeah. You spend the night in the tank sometimes, you say. I spend the night say. in there many times, yeah. yeah. You're sneaking in after hours. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Good thing you you didn't like open up a pastry shop or something. I know. I had to be up at five in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you find you you can sleep. You you never, you never want to like roll over on your side or on your stomach or something. No, you never really do. You're so comfortable in there and you're so evenly supported. Like the reason that you toss and turn at night is just because you've got pressure points. You've got places where blood's accumulating in the body because you're laying on that part of your body for so long. So you're doing that as, as you know, maintenance for your sleep, tossing and turning like that. You get in the tank and you get comfortable and you're just gone, You, you know time goes away you don't even you don't even really realize that you've been in there for six or seven hours it's it's, it it can be quite profound so tell me some more about the therapeutic stuff i mean do you because how can i say i I interviewed a guy and you may have even heard this um charles grobe who does research with um using hallucinogens i think lsd and mdma with people in end-stage cancer yeah helping them deal with the anxiety associated with dying right, right. which so were, was he on that johns hopkins uh, research no he's at ucla ucla okay. yeah yeah uh and you know i'm always uh, you know maps uh-huh. yeah yeah. I I mean, guys, yeah yeah people don't know them maps.org check them out they're fantastic rick doblin is and his crew are working hard and very effectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been very working hard for 20 years now, and they're starting to get some really good results. Um, they sponsor uh, research around the world using hallucinogens in, in therapy, in clinical settings. And they're finally getting the U.S. government to start to approve some of this research. Uh, marijuana, MDMA, LSD, psilocybin, ketamine, um, all sorts of stuff that's really important. MDMA in treating 
PTSD is there's nothing better. Phenomenal. And yeah. yet, you know, it's, it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, the fact that these things are Schedule One, which by definition says that they're addictive and have no therapeutic value. Neither of which is I true. Mean, right. It just, of, of it any seems of like them. there ought to be a lawsuit right now yeah. suing the government to get those out of that classification. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that are suffering that would get so much benefit from from these medicines, and yeah, you know. including people who have like gone off to you know kill and die for this country. Yeah, the least you can do is give them the most demonstrably effective ways to end their suffering. Yeah, yeah, Which, it's just insanity. It's right. insanity the way it is now. It's yeah. so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, which um, is why this is so great. I mean, here's a completely yeah. legal alternative to those things. You can get a lot of the same work done in a, a safer, more stable environment, more subtle uh, in terms of its effectiveness. But over time, it's just as effective. Well, that's why I wanted to ask you: is there is there anything going on with combining? float tanks with other therapeutic uh, approaches like you you said you know with these vets who come in some of them come out and say man i just work through stuff that i you know yeah but is there anyone is there any like therapy before they go in therapy while they're in is there any sort of guided um imagery like someone speaking to them through earphones or you know what I mean? Someone is—is is there anything aside from whatever they're able to do for themselves? Are there people using float tanks to try to potentiate other therapeutic approaches? I'm sure that there are. Like I, I've been kind of looking for that same thing to see if there were doctors, uh, you know, that were that were integrating it into their therapy. And I haven't, I haven't been able to find anything recently that's been published on it. Uh, what I do know is that the Veterans Administration has uh, a program now called uh, Integrative Therapies. So they've actually allocated money for um, uh, basically a trial where they're using things like meditation, yoga, flotation tanks for treatment for these guys. Because what, what they would really like is to not have to keep them on medications. Pr- probably just that's just a, a financial decision. It's really, really expensive to do that. So I, I know that from dealing with these couple of doctors that have been bringing their um, their uh, clients here that uh, you know, this is something that at least at least the Veterans Administration is open to, and they're you know obviously spending money on it now to to get this done. So um, I, I think what you're asking it's just right around the corner. There's probably a lot of a, a lot of doctors that are starting to use it and integrate it. I'm, I'm sure that yeah, you know stress management professionals are are, yeah. uh, are already. If, if not already using it, they're thinking about it because I, I get phone calls from them all the time want, wanting information about it. Yeah, stress management, anxiety uh, management, people dealing with major life changes. Sleep issues. Sleep issues is big, yeah, yeah. and chronic pain, chronic as pain. you mentioned. Right. Uh, and what about childbirth? Anyone ever give birth in one of these? I know a lot of women give birth in warm water. I don't know if they've ever actually given birth in there. <laughs> That'd be a filtration issue for it's you. A, that's a lot of wasted salt, right? Because we're assuming we're going to have to drain that tank. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do have a lot of pregnant women that come here oh, and yeah? float. They really love it. Which um, is amazing for, I mean, from the perspective of the fetus. You know, you're floating because essentially you've recreated a womb, right? right. I and mean, that's what these are. Right. Uh, and that's what women tell us. They say, I felt like I was floating, like I was in the womb with my baby. 
I felt like I was floating in the same position that my baby was floating in. Like that, that's right. the kind of things that we hear about. Right. It's so excellent for them in terms of just relieving the stress from oh, their muscles. Oh, yeah, their backs. Their and so, oh, they must be so stressed. The, this is the only group of people that we recommend this to. But we have pregnant women roll over on their stomach. Uh, we, we provide these little inflatable pillows for under your neck in case you have more neck tension or something in the tank. So we recommend that they put the float pillow under their chin and float with their hands under their chin on the pillow and uh, let their stomach fall away from them oh. in, in, in the solution. So they're getting the support from the solution, right. but they get that, that muscles going in the other direction. And, and that must open things up for the baby too. It's got it's got to be so good. Th- suddenly things get roomy and relaxed, right? And the blood flow and the and the chemi- the chemistry of the body, the endorphins and things yeah. that are happening in the body. You know, whatever the mother feels, the the baby feels. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the pregnant women love it here. <laughs> you must be in a tough spot uh, psychologically because, you know, obviously this isn't just a business for you. This is a passion. Yeah. You're, you're completely into it, the healing potential. I love and, it. But, I mean, you know, you were very kind and generous to, to throw a couple of sessions my way this morning, which I really appreciate. But you must walk down the street and just, like, see people every day. You just want to say, hey, please, just come, come. Trust me. Just, I mean, I, okay, I love, we had lunch. We went back to this B&B, Airbnb place that we're staying in, which is really cool. If you ever have need a place for family or something in Austin, okay. and this is such a beautiful place. It's this old couple Guy's in his 70s. He's been there 45 years. He's built everything himself. It's beautifully landscaped. Nice. Just, you know, and he took us around. He showed us all the, and he, like, all these rock walls that he built himself. And, you know, it's just, he's proud. He knows the, the archaeology mm-hmm. of the area. He knows that it's along Barton Creek. Barton Creek Greenbelt, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, anyway, it's a beautiful place. Really cool little guy. Perfect and, place to go back to after your float. Oh, Cassie's there now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's like sitting in the sun, you know. Beautiful. And, you know, and after talking with this guy for, for 10 minutes, I just wanted to like put my arm around him and say, look, come come with me and like float in this fucking thing, you know. And he's a 75-year-old yeah. Texan. I don't know that he'd – but he seemed very open-minded. But the whole – my point is you must be wanting to just give this to people, but you have to run a business. I you know. have to pay the rent. You have These are expensive, you know, uh, units. Yeah. Um, like, how do you deal with that? Like, is there, cause here's what I'm thinking. Like, what if we do something like, we, uh, maybe you've thought of this or there's a reason not to do this, but is there a way to do some sort of like a, a Kickstarter program to, to finance this so that vets can come and, you know, people can't afford stuff can come and do this. Or is it really just a question of time? You, you know, cause you've only got, how many do you have? Three units, four I units, got four, four tanks, back there, four yeah. tanks mm-hmm. and you know, so many hours in a day or, right. or do you run, I mean, do you run all night? Is there like a discount from 3am to 6am or something? Or how do you deal with that? So th- that's just such a great question. Cause we do deal with that all the time. Um, I would love to give everybody free floats all the time. I mean, I just see the change that it makes in people, and it's so satisfying to me to see that change. And then it kind of gets spoiled at the end right there when they have to pay for it. So uh, it's a, a very good observation that you've made. Um, we, we actually have a couple of programs that we're, that we're building here to allow people to float who can't afford it or for vets that need to float really regularly. Um, one of the things that we have 
so in our lounge, we have these two books that people can write in or draw in or whatever after their float. And it, it's the most beautiful collection of people's artwork and poetry and ideas, thoughts that came into their heads, things that they're working on. So one of our ideas is to um, we're going to when these books are full, we're going to go through them. We're going to select the best of what's in there. And then we're going to publish it into a book that we're going to sell here at the Float Center. And that uh, book, the, the money from that will be allocated to a scholarship fund to help pay for some of these Great idea. Yeah. Uh, same thing. We have a lot of musicians and artists that float here. So we're going to do a, um, a book of artwork. We've got a bunch of artists that, that float here, and we're going to um, trade them floats for the rights to photograph and publish photos of their artwork. And we'll do the same thing with that book, sell it allocate the money for scholarship. Uh, I have a recording studio. We're going to be doing the same thing with musicians. We're going to create uh, uh, recordings of music that was composed in the tank or inspired by the tanks or whatever. And, and with, we're hoping that with these kind of projects, we can stretch out a little bit and, and um, you know, help, help people that need to float. They can't, they can't do it on a regular basis for whatever reason. That, that's a great idea. Uh, those are all great ideas. Thank yeah. You. I'm glad you've, I'm glad you've thought about that, you know, because a lot of people come to that conundrum and they just say, fuck it, I got to run a business, you know, can't deal with that. Yeah. You know, you've obviously found ways to to uh, combine the two. Yeah, that's that's yeah, we great. Were, we were really worried when when we um, first started opening, you know, as, as you mentioned, we're, we're set up like a really high end spot. It's really, really nice here. And we did spend a, a great deal of money on, yeah. on just the facility here to make it nice for everyone. But what we didn't want to do was be elitist. Right. About it. We didn't want to only cater to the wealthy and, and all of that. You know, we wanted to be accessible for everybody. So, yeah. you know, we, we've got all kinds of things like I'm, I'm, I'm always trading people, uh, massage therapists, acupuncturists, you know, people like that, that, that come through and, want to float more it's like yeah I'll, yeah you can come over here and do some body work for me i'll, I'll give you a couple of floats for that or you know what, whatever it takes i mean first and foremost i want people to float right i want to stay in business right but i want people to float too yeah and uh the the other side of that is that um we do manufacture these tanks and and sell them to other float centers and spas and resorts and things like that. So we do have um, other revenue streams besides just the people who come here to float. So that takes a lot of pressure off of this place as well. If we need to discount floats or help people out in some way, it's not like that's taking, you know, all of the money out of my pocket right. kind of thing. So right. we, we are trying to address that and be open to the community that's here. Well, that's fantastic. I, I hope this podcast uh, is some sort of a contribution to that. And, oh, and sure I hope, be. you know, Thank anyone you. who's in Austin or coming to Austin or anywhere near Austin, uh, definitely check this place out. This is an amazing experience and a really cool place to have the experience well, as you. well. Yeah. Uh, Zero Gravity Institute, www.zerogravityinstitute.com. If you're in Austin, definitely drop by. Is there any other website or anything people should know about? Uh, that's the primary one. You know, we have all the Facebook and Twitter and all of that stuff, but yeah, we're, we're, we're very easy to find. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Um, I guess that's it. Is there anything I'm missing? Anything we needed to cover? Thank you, my friend. It's been a really great day for me. You know, like I said, I'm, I've been a fan of this podcast for a long time and to, to be a guest on it is quite amazing for me. And I really appreciate uh, the opportunity and just, well, just to get you. to know you a little bit better and, and Casilda, just, you got, you guys seem like such wonderful people. Uh, thanks. Uh, I, I hope next month we're both going to be in Barcelona at the same time. Yeah, quite possibly. We'll, we'll have to connect and 
do a little dinner, some tapas. Uh, do and some, some tapas, exactly. All yeah. right. Well, thank you, man. Thank you, Chris. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode, that conversation about floating. Hope you feel like floating right now. Go find yourself a place to float. At least take a bath. Why not? Um, check out chrisryanphd.com. Order some T-shirts. Mom's standing by, ready to send them out to you. We're, we've been getting orders from all over the place. Today I saw there was an order from Iceland. Very cool. As for some reason, a lot of people in Scandinavian countries seem to be listening to this podcast. So a shout-out to all you people up there. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, chrisryanphd.com. You can get T-shirts there. You can get a signed copy of Sex at Dawn if you want it. And uh, if you want to just make a donation, there's a donation thing and the Amazon link. If you're going to be buying anything on Amazon, if you go through the site tangentially, you go to the chrisryanphd.com and then you click on the uh, podcast, tangentially speaking, page. You'll see the, the Bonobo. Click on the Bonobo. That'll take you to Amazon. Whatever you end up spending, we'll get like 3% or something. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra. So that's a great way to support the podcast if you want to do that. Um, otherwise, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. You said, baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say Smoke alarms will dance into the ground.